It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com, your Lake of the Ozark vacation experts. On this episode, we are going to talk about last weekend's race at Richmond and look ahead to this weekend's Easter dirt race at Bristol. Josh Norton, how you guys doing? Doing well, Good evening, Zach. Zach. How are you, sir? Doing good, doing good. First off, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. We truly appreciate you tuning in each week. Please, if you uh, know anybody that does not listen to the podcast, please let them know, Pass, spread the word, and uh, we'll continue to grow this thing. The fantasy team name bracket that's going on on Twitter, we have reached the final four, and uh, one of the, the matchups has like, like what, like 50 votes or something? No, it How has over votes? 200 votes. 200 Holy votes. Yeah, the, yeah, folks. Yeah, my wife's one has like 50, and they have like over, they have like 220. Thanks to uh, Jerry Jordan and Boo Carlisle. Those two are going at it in the final four, and they're both recruiting, and they've got over think, 200 votes. Sounds like the champions coming from that, that side of the bracket. Could be tough to beat. Definitely a one seed. So if you have not, uh, Check that out on Twitter. Please go on, check out Top the Pitbox Twitter and vote for your favorite team name. And then our last announcement is we are going to try a to add a segment to the podcast where we pick a question of the week from somebody on Twitter, somebody that reaches out to us uh, through the podcast. We're going to pick a, 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 a question. Doesn't necessarily have to be NASCAR related, but we'll just pick the best one each week and add that to to the segment a lot of people want to know uh specific nascar rules or or strategies and this will give everybody a chance to kind of submit what you want us to talk about and uh we will pick one of those questions each week to to answer now we're going to move to our nascar news from this past week and nascar appeal board is very busy and they have two more appeals that they're going to be hearing this week. That's right, Josh. Colleagues' appeal will be April 5th, and Hamlin's will be April 6th. So there's two more appeals this week. Uh, Colleagues' appeal is about the Louvers, which Hendrick uh, just won. So if I'm a betting man, I'm going to guess that Colleague Racing is going to win that one as well, or at least... Uh, have the points returned, still have the suspension, and still have the fine, which I think they'd be completely fine with. Uh, and then Denny Hamlin's appeal on the six is all about him admitting to wrecking Ross Chastain on purpose. Uh, so we will see what the appeals panel thinks of that one. I think that's the more interesting one of the two because, you know, his comments were made on his podcast after the race. It was actually a day after the race. Uh, and so I'm very curious to see how the appeals panel um, handles that appeal specifically. So uh, do you have any predictions on those two appeals since you uh, kind of guessed or, or knew what was going to happen with Hendrick? You know, for me, I think that when you look at this, if colleagues appeal turns 
if it's not the same as what Hendrick has, then I don't I don't know how you can justify in any situation that they don't get the same penalty that Hendrick has. So I would expect them to get their points back. The Hamlin thing is very interesting. I know we're going to touch on Daniel Suarez's uh, or his penalty here in a minute, but he didn't have any points. So we're looking at the possibility that Hamlin is the only one that has some kind of uh, points penalty. And all he did was talk about it on his own podcast. It's very, <laughs> it's a, it's a very interesting situation that he finds himself in. And you got to wonder what's going through his mind as he's watching all these appeals and uh, all these points get taken away from, from the penalty. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be really odd one. If colleague doesn't have the same type of situation play out like Hendrick and as you mentioned, when this is all said and done, Hendrick, colleague, Daniel Suarez, they could all have zero points penalties, and Denny Hamlin, Danny, or Denny Hamlin, uh, could have the only points penalty in the last two or three weeks based on him just talking about what he did on his podcast, which would be quite uh, interesting and maybe a, a sign of of future situations where drivers just flat out lie or deny what they really intentionally did. Jeff Gluck and, and Jordan on the teardown said, brought up a good point when they said, what evidence has been presented that he did this on purpose other than him saying it. And you really, I mean, I guess you can look at the video and you know, you have his, his words kind of uh, influencing your, your opinion on that. But I mean, is there any definite evidence that he, you know, wrecked him on purpose? I don't know. So it's it's just interesting to see if NASCAR continues with the the points penalty for something like that versus these other. And obviously, I guess we should clarify as well because this was a big point on uh, online. the The points that were uh, assessed as a penalty is what NASCAR wanted and the board who is independent of NASCAR, they are their own separate entity. They disagreed. So NASCAR, it's not like NASCAR is making this decision to, to, to change the penalty or, or change the punishment. Um, they're kind of being told you handled this wrong and this is what the penalty should be. Yeah, it goes, it goes to an appeal. So it's an appeals process and it goes to a, a board or an arbitrator of three individuals that uh, come from a list of people who are designated to be part of the appeals process. And they get randomly assigned to these appeals cases. And it's basically majority vote on, yes, we agree with NASCAR. Uh, we will stick with the suspensions, fines and points penalties, or we agree with some and don't just, you know, and not agree with, uh, the rest or NASCAR flat out got it wrong. So uh, like I mentioned last week's uh, on last week's podcast, it's almost like a, a trial where you have NASCAR presenting their facts and their evidence. You have the teams presenting their facts and their evidence. The judge is the appeals panel of three individuals and they decide the eventual outcome of, of that process. So. We touched on it before. I mentioned it. Daniel Suarez 
received a uh, notice from NASCAR on him bumping Bowman on pit road that didn't include any any penalty points. No, it didn't. And I'm a little shocked that he didn't get uh, some points docked after what he did. But for those that don't recall, uh, he was really mad after the race at Coda, uh, felt that Chastain and Bowman raced him uh, wrong. He cleared Chastain out of the way on the cool down lap, caught Alex Bowman on pit road and hit Alex Bowman right in front of an official. Uh, and that is against NASCAR rules, especially on pit road. So uh, he was fined $50,000 for running into Bowman on pit road, but he did not receive a points penalty, uh, which based on how this year has gone from NASCAR's uh, ruling standpoint, I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, it that seemed like a more serious one to me because they there were NASCAR officials and people on pit road that I mean he spins him out. We're we're talking serious injuries here. And they, maybe they took context into it and and that you know nothing did happen. $50,000 seems kind of light, but I think the big point is for them is no points and and they can pay that and move on. Speaking of moving on, we're going to move on to our race recap. We had a uh, a race at Richmond, and, you know, man, I, for me, as I was watching this race, I, I just thought, like, this is what we've all been wanting. It was, kind of had everything. It had the tire fall off. It had pit strategies. It had, you know, some people getting sent to the back and moving back up. There was different lines. There were uh there were lanes that that people were taking advantage of, and then the field would react and and jump on theirs. You saw the the pit strategy come down to the end. I thought it was a very entertaining race. Uh, you know, I I probably liked it a little bit more than than most did, but for me, I know it didn't have any big crashes or anything like that. But the racing was was uh, legit and really felt like the best drivers were out there showcasing their their stuff. What did you think of it? Well, Josh, I think you're going to be shocked here, but I actually agree with what you just said. I thought the race was fantastic. It was a very solid race. As you pointed out, it was really fun to see as these green flag runs progressed, who was going to try to change up their pit strategy to take advantage of the fresh tires or who was going to you know, stay out and try to minimize their time on pit road. So pit strategy was all over the board. Uh, new tires were incredibly important, and we saw uh, what happens if you don't have fresh tires at the end of that race. Uh, and then, like you pointed out, guys that were sent to the back were able to still race their way up to the front. And historically, or at least in the short term, we haven't really seen that in NASCAR with this with this next-gen car. And so that was really fun to see these guys, you know, making mistakes or getting penalized and getting sent to the back. And that didn't necessarily ruin their day. They were still able to drive up through the field and, and put themselves back into, into contention. So overall, I thought it was a great race for Richmond. And honestly, I, I was a little shocked at how good the race was because this race is very similar to Phoenix and Phoenix was a dud and it's been a dud the last few times we were, you know, we went to Phoenix. So uh, I didn't have, I hopes going into Richmond, but I was pleasantly surprised and, and thought it was quite honestly one of the better races we've seen so far this year. So when you watch this race, is this the kind of 
racing that you that that's your preference or how you prefer to see NASCAR races run? Is this more in line with that? That like that old school. I would say yes. NASCAR. Okay. Yep. Yep. Where drivers, you've got you got multiple lanes, you've got tire fall off, so pitch strategy becomes part of it, but just the amount of passes and and drivers being able to uh, if if they can save tires, they can be faster, you know, toward the end of the run or or vice versa. So this is my style of racing. I like this. I like Darlington. I like uh, California Auto Club. Those are those are my style of races. And uh, I hope to see more of these this year because this was just a really good race. So looking at the storylines for for this race, we start with the battle between Hendrick Motorsports, who had the winner in Kyle Larson, and Joe Gibbs Racing. Between these two organizations, they led a combined 381 laps out of the 400. <laughs> That's just insane. domination by these two teams. Byron was fast in stage one. Hamlin was fast in stage two. Truex and Larson dominated stage three. Uh, it would have been a shame if somebody else won this race uh, that, you know, that wasn't part of these organizations because they brought some really fast cars to Richmond. And uh, fortunately for them, one of their, one of their drivers won the race. So do you think that we're going to see just Hendrick and Joe Gibbs continue to dominate these, these last or these races going forward? Because the last few weeks has really been these two organizations dominating the field. I would say these two organizations have the best chance at winning a championship. If you were to have to choose somebody right now, uh, if you think about the results at Richmond, uh, all four of Hendrick car Hendrick's cars should have finished in the top 10, potentially top six, top five. Uh, Joe Gibbs again, should, you know, almost all of his cars finished in the top 10 or did finish in the top 10. So just lightning fast cars right now. And unless some other team picks up on something here over the summer, which is quite possible and might happen, uh, these two teams will be the, the two teams that are battling for a championship at the end of the year. We even saw Josh Berry get a, a second place finish and I mean, it's nice to see the nine car up at the front, but if Josh Berry is doing this with this car, when Chase Elliott comes back, if he's close to 100%, we could be seeing some serious racing from him as well. Yeah, and if you if you remember how that played out, there were a couple drivers that stayed out uh, when the other drivers were pitting there in stage three, and him and Michael McDowell were the two drivers that stand out in my mind got lucky a caution came out well there had been enough laps run that everyone needed to pit and so that's how he was able to get his uh track position but he was still fast enough at the end of the race to stay up front battled there with larson for the lead there for a little bit but still finished second which is it's a, an impressive run for josh berry with not a lot of time under his belt in this car so as you pointed out can you imagine what Chase Elliott could be doing right now with how fast Hendrick cars are. So how many people in our league right now are pissed off that they 
swapped <laughs> uh, Chase Elliott. I mean, maybe you swapped him for Kyle Larson. He won the race, but I mean, you can't you can't really expect other than that first race where I finished. I think he finished in like the twenty mid twenties. He's had some really good finishes in that car, filling in for for Chase Elliott. No wins yet, but I mean, he's he's holding his own for sure. Another main storyline from this race were the problems that some of these teams had on pit road. I could not believe the number of pit road speeding penalties and issues that occurred yesterday at Richmond. Uh, Denny Hamlin was caught speeding twice. Ryan Blaney and AJ Allmendinger both got penalized in stage two for speeding as well. Blaney then proceeded to leave his pit box (laughs) with a wedge wrench in. So he had to serve a pass-through penalty uh hamlin was then caught speeding in stage two or stage three i mean which cost him a chance at winning the race uh larson and suarez i can't remember if it was stage one or stage two but they both made contact with each other and i i personally thought larson's day might be done with how hard he hit suarez on pit road with that front fender but it did not you know slow him down at all throughout the rest of the race so uh good for him but it was just unbelievable how many drivers got caught speeding or had issues on pit road. And when you think back about this entire year, I think this is by far the most penalties or, or uh, t- just issues on pit road in general that we've had this year to this point. The Blaney thing cracks me up because he just <laughs> finds new ways to, to mess it up. Like I know it's not his fault. Like he doesn't, he's not leaving the, the, you know, the Jack in there or the, the wrench in there, but you don't see any other teams <laughs> leaving the wrench in. It just seems like every week there's something that happens to him. And at this point, it's just comical. And it's something new every single time too. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't spinning repeat out, it. Spinning out at Daytona, try <laughs> to get, get off pit road. Oh, I'm going to spin out here in front of, in front of everybody. Uh, I'm going to leave the wedge wrench in. And like you said, it's not his <laughs> fault, but it just seems like he has They're the worst luck on the planet. Uh, hopefully he's getting all the bad bugs out before uh, this summer gets here and he can hopefully make a run in the playoffs for Norton's sake. But uh, it's it's unbelievable the, bad, the luck he has right now. Another one that has bad luck, and this affected me personally uh, because he was my pick. Uh, Martin Truex, who was fast all day, heartbreak at the end. He had another fast car and had a chance to win, but tire strategy just did not pan out right for this team. Uh, They pitted early in stage one, trying to differentiate themselves from the other teams. And that set of tires they took, early on in the race is essentially what cost him a chance to win this race because that 26 to go, uh, the teams went into pit road. Everyone had sticker tires. Unfortunately, Martin Truex did not have any more tires. Uh, and by that, I mean, sticker tires or fresh tires. So they put six lap scuffs on that car. And as you saw during the race, uh, it, it did not end well at all. Uh, he sank like a rock. He ended up finishing 11th, uh, which is really unfortunate because he he was a top three car by far. So 
another driver that just finds ways to have bad luck and, and lose races that he he probably should have won. I mean, that's probably four or five that I can think of in the last 20 or 25 races that he probably should have won. But for, you know, a different reason every time is losing these races. I couldn't believe when they, when they said, all right, we're going to put six lap sticker tires on or six, six lap scuffs on. I thought, okay, he's going to be at a disadvantage, but six laps. Like, it's not like they're 20 lap tires, like these six laps. He got out there and the cars, it was, it was almost like he was at a different speed because they were, they were just passing him with ease. And I couldn't believe the, the difference between a brand new tire and even just six laps. Uh, it, it, he was a sitting duck out there and it just, there's nothing he could do. And I know there was a little drama with his crew chief at the end of the race because his crew chief didn't tell him that he was putting on scuffs. So if you're Martin Truex, would you want to know, or do you say, you know what, just give me what you got? Well, like, like his crew chief told him on the radio, they were screwed either way. So <laughs> me personally, if I'm the crew chief, I'm probably not going to tell him. Uh, because I want him just to go out and, and race as hard as he possibly can, no matter what. Uh, in hindsight, maybe he should have told him he had scuff tires on so he could drive a little bit more defensive. Uh, but Truex, uh, maybe five laps into that last run, thought he had flat tires or a flat tire because the car just was so different. But like you mentioned, six laps is not a lot of laps to run. But if I remember the race yesterday, Larry McReynolds said, I think fresh tires is equivalent or like the, a car with fresh tires is a second to a second and a quarter faster than a car with used tires on it. So it just shows you how important fresh tires were at Richmond. Like I pointed out, he still finished 11th, but that ruined his top 10 streak at Richmond. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to seal the deal and win that race because right now he's on like a 50-ish winless streak, which is really sad because he's just been so fast so many times and unfortunately just can't close the deal. Looking at uh, the Idiot of the, the, the Week Award, Hamlin is on his podcast calling out drivers for being dumb and being reckless and no respect and... (laughs) <laughs> then we get the uh, a good look, the first caution of the day, and it was caused by him. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. The in-car camera in Denny Hamlin's car, NAS, like the broadcast goes straight to Denny Hamlin, and three seconds later, he is crashing J.J. Yaley from behind. <laughs> it looked 100% intentional. There's really no other explanation that I can think of. And like you said, he's calling out drivers last week. I haven't listened to his podcast this week, but I hope he calls himself out because it was so blatantly obvious that he wrecked JJ Yaley on purpose. And the only thing that I can think of is, is that was after his first pit road speeding penalty. And so he's back there in like 30th place. He's probably mad at himself. He he knows he's got a fast car. He's trying to get to the front as as fast as possible and say, yeah, this guy's in my way. I'm just going to wreck him. So he gets the idiot of the day uh, award for me. 
I will be interested to see what he what he says. I he, he says he's going to call himself out when he does stupid stuff. So we'll see if he is uh, true to his word or not. Yep. Well, I think that he is probably a little gun shy about admitting purposely wrecking people because he, on his podcast, called it a blunder and a mistake and just bad <laughs> driving on his part. So I think he's played a little more political now. Oh, so he's lesson. a hack. So he's he's saying he's a hack now. Needs to be replaced. Get him a shirt. <laughs> I that, that also is not surprising that he would uh, not admit it. <laughs> well, me he's once, got he's got know. a pretty important appeal this week. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> can't be messing around with that. So that that makes a hundred percent sense. He wasn't the only one that uh, took out a driver. Christopher Bell takes out Willie Byron. And then blames it on Chastain. So if you if you were watching that race, to me, when when it happened, I was like, oh great, here we go again. Chastain getting aggressive, going into turn one, made it three or four wide, didn't leave enough room for Christopher Bell. I don't know if he touched Bell, but Bell got up, spun Willie Byron, ruined his day. That would have had all four Hendrick cars finish in the top 10. He, or as in Christopher Bell, called out Chastain for his idiot driving again, but then later retracted that statement saying, I had more room than I originally thought. I could have gave him just a little bit more room, and I think we would have been fine. Uh, but again, these last lap restarts, Chastain is by far the most aggressive and is going to put his car in some of the worst spots possible and still somehow comes out looking squeaky clean and it works. So props to him, I guess, for having it work every single time. But um, it just shows you these last these last lap restarts are just stupid, aggressive, stupid, crazy. And and quite honestly, I didn't I didn't want to see that last caution come out. I was kind of hoping that Truex was going to be able to to run that or the second to last caution, I should say, uh, run that thing all the way to the end. Uh, but then, as they say, cautions breed cautions, and and the last twenty six laps, you know, had some decent decent action. So to recap, stage one, Willie Byron. Stage two was Denny Hamlin. Your winner, Kyle Larson. And the most laps led with 117 was William Byron. Looking at Jeff Gluck's poll. So Josh and I like this race. What did the fans think about this race? And two, no one's surprised here. 80.5% of fans said, yes, it was a good race. To put that in perspective, last year's Richmond spring race was 63.1%. So I think the fans enjoyed it because of the green flag action pitch strategy. Cars could race their way up through the field, even if they were in the back. Overall, just a really good race. That makes me feel good, Zach. We, uh, we have our pulse on the NASCAR fan. We, we might know what we're talking about occasionally. Occasionally. Uh, yeah, that's good. 80% is a, that's a pretty solid race. I all right, we now turn to our fantasy recap with our commissioner, Mr. Norton. All right, going into your atop pit box fantasy stats for Richmond, we had a low score 
um, from Danielle Martin. Shout out to my sister with 25 points. High score from Bill Miller with 103 points. And your average this week at Richmond was 59 points. And that is the highest. Richmond is typically a low-scoring fantasy track. Running down your top 10. In 10th place, you have Bryce Michaels, number two. Tied for eighth is Mark Krejci and Adam Studer, number one. Seventh place is Mark Hansen. Sixth, Kenneth, Kenneth Holloway. Fifth place is Ron Hendrickson. Fourth is Nailed It. Third place is Robert Riggs, number two. Second place, down one from first, is Adam Studer, number two. And back to first place, Zach Dick, number three. Your top ten rookies after Richmond. Pat Brosnahan in P23. Julian Austin, shout out to These Lug Nuts podcast, P22. Kicking Asphalt, also part of the final four in our name tournament, P17. Michael Reller, P15. Melly85, P14. Z Spot Motorsports in P9. Kenneth Holloway in P6. Ron Hendrickson in P5. Nailed it in P4. And your top rookie currently is Robert Riggs, number two, in P3. Your biggest fantasy risers after Richmond, mentioned her already, Danielle Martin, up 61 spots from P118 to P57. Barry McCockiner, 49 spots from P82 to P33. And your third biggest fantasy riser is Zach Dick, number one, up 42 spots, P62 to P20. Your biggest fallers after Richmond, first, Bobby Bannock, at VikesFan90210 on Twitter, drops 55 spots from P18 to P73. Doug Malberg drops 54 spots from P50 to P104. And Bill Miller with the high score of the week drops 54 spots as well from P98 to P152. Alex Bowman con- continues to be your top fantasy driver this season with an average of 7.1 per race. Second is Ross Chastain with an 8.0 average. Third is Kyle Busch with a 9.0 average. Fourth, Kevin Harvick with 11.7. And your fifth best fantasy driver is Christopher Bell with a 12 average. Your bottom five fantasy drivers are Austin Dillon in 26th with a 23.3 average. Noah Gregson, 24.9 average. Harrison Burton, 25.3 average. Eric Almarola, 25.4 average. And your worst fantasy driver currently is Ryan Priest with a 26.0 average. And to highlight a little bit of that, Ricky Stenhouse is still your most overperforming driver. He's running as a 14-point driver right now with a 15.7 average. He was originally valued at 7. And for obvious reasons, Chase Elliott is your most underperforming driver still. He's running as a 12-point driver with a 17.6 average and valued at 20. Looking ahead to Bristol Dirt for some fantasy stats. Um, historically, we have seen a low score of 20 by Steve Rolfus last year. The highest score ever is Brian Brockman with 127. That happened in 2021. And your low average for Bristol is 68, and that came last year. So just gives you an idea of what we're looking forward to, and that is your fantasy recap. All right. We take a look at this weekend's race, and we are headed to Bristol, Tennessee, for our favorite dirt race of the year, the Food City Dirt Race. Bristol Dirt Race is kind of a different setup. 
in regards to qualifying. They're going to have four qualifying races on Saturday night, and that will determine the starting order for the race. So I wanted to point that out. It's different than usual and kind of sets itself apart. Why do they not do that for all the races? Why don't they use the qualifying like heats for the race the next day? Typically, that's just done at like the uh, the all or not the all star race, but the but uh, Bud Clash or whatever that thing's called these days, uh, the Coliseum, and, and now this. It's it's those one off races where isn't that how a lot of racing across the country is done? They do heats and then they do a, a main event. Like, wouldn't why doesn't NASCAR do that to allow you know some uh, uniqueness to to how they run these. It's a good question. The only thing I can think of is is money and just the amount of time and cost that it would get like put on these teams. Uh, if a car gets torn up on Saturday, the teams then have to scramble to get a new car put together. Uh, they do run the qualifying races for the Daytona 500, so that's you know another race I just thought of. But I think a lot of this has to do with cost and. Really, the only races you see where they have heat races uh, or qualifying races, whatever you want to call them, is true dirt track racing. I mean, just think of, you know, when we go to Harlan or Denison or Boone, that's just traditional old school dirt racing. So I think that is the main reason uh, for them doing that is it's a dirt dirt race. And then second, it's all about all about the money. Always is, isn't it? Yep. It's always about the money. Uh, Zach's facts of the night. I got two quick facts for you. The first fact is the first NASCAR dirt race at Bristol was only two years ago in 2021, 51 years since the last dirt NASCAR race dating back to the 1970 home state 200 at the North Carolina fairgrounds. So NASCAR went a long time between dirt races and it appears to be here to stay based on the TV ratings uh, and popularity that this race got specifically last year, having it on Easter night. Your second Zach's fact of the night, this track uh, surface is going to include three layers of dirt, which I thought was unique. The first layer is soil that was used at a previous dirt event at Bristol from the early 2000s. So I guess they just have this stuff laying around, but that is the first layer they're going to use. The second layer is going to be dirt from a campground nearby. And the third layer is red dirt from Buff City, uh, which is a uh, area close to uh, the track, but that is where the name Buff City Clay gets its name from. It is red, it is clay, and it makes for an excellent racing surface, uh, specifically dirt. So I'm, I'm guessing that the clay is less dusty than actual just regular dirt. Exactly. It, it has uh, more, uh, I guess it, it allows for a better race surface because it kind of gets packed in. And it takes rubber. Uh, that way you have some grip. Uh, if you remember, I think it was two race the first first dirt race they had at bristol they had some serious issues 
with mud getting into the grills and having to have a bunch of pit stops. So uh, I think they've finally got this race service figured out in regards to what these cars need, because this is so unique with a stock car on a dirt track. Uh, weather has also been an issue the last two races. So uh, I think the forecast looks fine now, but that might be something to pay attention to as well. But they've had rain issues the last two Bristol races, which is kind of change the complexity of the race based on the track changing and how slick it got is was there a guy um that back in the early 2000s at bristol they they had this dirt and he was like you know what we let's just store it we never know we might need it again and he's like now they're like hey get that dirt that you put aside 20 years ago is that what happened and I think one, man, one man's years? trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> Apparently someone wanted a big pile of dirt <laughs> and still had it. So <laughs> I read something just... that they went through like 15, 15 different types of soil to figure out the best one to use for the Bristol dirt race, which is just crazy. There's a lot of science that goes into it, but uh yeah i i found that very odd that they'd still have dirt laying around 20 years or 22 years later from the first that, dirt race that fine Bristol. aged that fine yeah. aged dirt <laughs> apparently apparently age as well all right so you mentioned it's a we've, we only have a couple recent races here at, at bristol so when we look at this dirt race what are your expectations going into to the race I think it's truly anybody's race to win and it should be a really fun and exciting race to watch. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of cautions. There's going to be a lot of wrecks uh, just because a lot of these guys don't race on dirt very often. Now you do see a lot of these NASCAR drivers racing in the truck series at Bristol to get some more practice. And you also see a lot of guys going out now racing late models, such as Kevin Harvick, Willie Byron, uh, and some of your dirt ringers like Alex Bowman, uh, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell. So a lot of these guys are going back to the roots, racing more often in or on dirt tracks. But uh, this is a whole different beast. These stock cars weigh a lot. It's a short track. I, again, you're going to see a lot of cautions. And I personally think uh, there's going to be some high fantasy scores this weekend. So buckle up and get ready. You, are you a fan of this race? What am I kidding? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> I was going to say I that. I, I, I was going to say that, but I stopped, I stopped myself. <laughs> uh, to be honest, no. If, if I had a choice between a Bristol concrete race and a Bristol dirt race, I'm choosing Bristol concrete all day long. I think this is kind of a circus event it's just not it's not true um what am i trying to say it, it, it the outcome isn't what it should be or what it what it's expected to be uh just because of the number of wrecks that happen uh, and then these guys don't get hardly any practice time on this so it's kind of just hey guys we're gonna throw you out there and let's just see how this goes so uh, this all has to do with nascar making changes trying to reinvent the sport get new fans into the sport i think it's working but to me i'd rather have two bristol uh, races on concrete than dirt what are your thoughts so i'm a i i think i side on 
I like it. If they can fix some of the growing pain issues that they had the first couple years. I know that the issues with the, the drivers not being able to see, that's a kind of a big deal. We we need to fix that. Uh, cars not working because they're full of mud. Okay, let's let's address those. And if we can, if they can figure out a way to kind of alleviate some of those concerns, and we can see a a a quality dirt race, I think that just allows some of these other drivers' skill sets to come come into play. Brings in new fans. It's a different kind of race. I think it's on Saturday. Is it a Saturday night? Is it a night race? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night. So it's a night race yep. still. Um, so just different set of eyes on this type of race but they they have to learn from what went right and what went wrong in the previous years for that to to work i think yeah i agree and i think like like i mentioned uh they had some issues with rain both races so i think that had something to do with it as well so let's hope that the forecast is fine it doesn't rain and we can get just a clean good race weather-wise but again i think you're going to see a lot of cautions and I think there's going to be some high fantasy scores just because there's some guys who are just really, really bad uh, at the Bristol dirt race historically. So looking at last year's top five, Kyle Busch won the race. If you remember, uh, Tyler Reddick and Chase Briscoe were battling for the lead. Chase Briscoe did the uh, Hail Mary going into the corner on the last lap, wrecked. Reddick spun out, still was able to gather and finish second, but Kyle Busch just moseyed on, on through and, and won the race. So uh, he finished first, Reddick still finished second, Logano finished third, Larson finished fourth, and Ryan Blaney finished fifth. And if you look at the top five from the first dirt race in 2021 at Bristol, Logano won the race, Stenhouse finished second, Hamlin finished third, Suarez finished fourth, and Ryan Newman finished fifth. Would you say that uh, Kyle Busch backed into that win? That is exactly what he did there. Yes. Alex Bowman would uh, like a word with that. So uh, he would. <laughs> uh, picks of for the week last week. Zachary, you stole my pick and you stole my my point here. Kevin Harvick finished his fifth. Truex finished 11th. He was my pick. And then uh, Norton's pick finished 17th and that was Denny Hamlin. So our our standings get a little bunched up here. I have 3, have it one in a couple in 3 weeks and uh Zach gets on the board with his second win. Finally. And just for the record, for the, all you listeners out there as well as is Josh Nort, I was actively rooting for Martin Truex Jr. to win that race at the end. It still didn't help. Didn't help. He didn't pull it out. But I was willing to sacrifice a week of results for him to win that race. What if what if he won and then you were one off the the bottom? Like you lost by one race and this was the one that kept you off from having to spin the wheel? You'd still be okay with it? Let's let's uh ask that question <laughs> down the road if it if it truly matters. But uh at the time I was cheering for for MTJ to win that race. I appreciate it. We we appreciate it here on, on Team Josh. So let's look at the picks for this week. Zach, you get to go first this week and another chance to steal steal my pick. So go ahead. Well, who do you want? 
I'm going to take the other guy. I got two. So I'm going <laughs> to take the other one that you don't take. I'm going to roll the dice with Alex Bowman. It's been fast all year. He's a good dirt road or dirt race car driver. I'm riding the hot hand going Alex Bowman. Okay. That wasn't one of the two that I had picked. So I get my choice here. Uh, I'm going to go. I think you'd be a fool not to pick a Hendrick or JGR driver. So I'm going to go with Christopher Bell. Norton? Well, call me a fool. I'm going Chase Briscoe. Another dirt Uh driver. I think that I need to take an opportunity here and pick somebody that's not performing well because it's it's the dirt race. Anything can happen. Um, I'm not going to want to take Briscoe later, so I'm going to I'm going to use him now. Yeah, we still are uh, in the early start, early stages of this where we haven't had to to use another driver twice or or worry about that. So uh, good, good strategy there. We'll see if it see if it pays off. All right, gentlemen, any uh, any final thoughts, anything before we go? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to leave it there. All right, gentlemen. With that said. <laughs> with, yeah, with that being said, we'll see you next week. The Atop the Pit Box podcast is supported by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. Now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes that sleep up to 19 people, so bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation today, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. Yeah.